If you will tonight, look with me in Matthew chapter 6 on that note, uh, verses 16 through 18. The scripture says, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that you may appear not unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. For a few moments, I want to talk about God's chosen fast. To my knowledge, the only fast actually required by the Jewish people was on the annual day of atonement. But we know the Pharisees fasted on Mondays and Thursdays two times a week. And they did that more or less so they could meet the approval of mankind. They were trying to show, look how spiritual I am, look how religious I am by doing that thing. And they fasted in such a way that people took knowledge that they were fasting. But I believe that God did not hear their prayers and God was not pleased with them. Why? They were not fasting for the glory of God. They were fasting to win the praise and the approval of mankind. With that being said, their motive was wrong when it came time to fast. By the same token, I believe it's not wrong to fast if we do it the right way, if we do it with the right motive. We find many people in the Old Testament that fasted. Uh, they fasted in times of battle. They fasted in times of need. They fasted in times of emergencies. They fasted during uh, times of battle. Uh, they fasted in times of, of, of just needing to get hold of God and showing an earnest toward the Lord. We need your divine intervention. We also know that Jesus fasted as well as did the disciples of John the Baptist. The early church spent time in fasting and prayer as well. Fasting helps to discipline the appetites of the body. And simply to deprive ourselves, if you will, uh, from any uh, natural benefit, uh, such as abstaining from food and or water, there is no magical formula in that whatsoever. But if our attitude is, God, I am giving this to you. I am offering the time I would eat, the time I would do something else. I'm giving that to you in prayer, and I am going to skip a few meals in the process. And rather than eat, I'm going to seek you, worship you, and read your word because I want to give my all to you. I believe that we got to devote ourselves to God in worship, in Bible study, and in prayer, or else it is not a fast. Now, unless there's devotion of the heart, there can be no lasting spiritual benefit to it whatsoever. So fasting, again, is not bargaining with God. I, I've done it myself when I first got saved. Uh, I remember the very second or third, I think the third sermon ever preached in my life. Uh, I gave myself to some time of prayer and fasting. And I just knew that I was going to walk on the water in the baptistry that night. I mean, I knew people were going to levitate that. And I, mean, I thought, God, you're going to come down in such glory. Uh, we're going to see something like we read out of the book of Acts. It's going to be phenomenal. And man, I was all stoked and I got up there. I couldn't wait to preach. And guess what happened? I couldn't quote John 3.16. I mean, there wasn't no anointing. There wasn't anything. And I hurried through what I, little bit I had. I mean, that congregation was full that Sunday night, about 500 and some people. And I never will forget, I didn't even go greet the people. I'd exit out the back door, went down the stairwell, and I bowed on the step and said, Dear God, what happened? And the Lord took me to the spiritual woodshed, and I'm glad he did that early on in my ministry. And he let me know, you do not bargain with me. You give it unto me, and I do what I want to do. So we cannot bargain with God by saying, look what I'm doing now. You are obligated to do this. And if we have that attitude, if God doesn't do it, then we, we get disappointed with God. And what's the use of fasting? It's all because the attitude is wrong. As with giving, 
as with praying, so it is with fasting. It must be done in secret uh, between the believer and God himself. Now, to simply have unsightly crowns on our faces to where we look all gloomy and, and we look like, you know, we, we just want the pity of people. Oh, hold me. I, I, I'm so weak. I've been, I've been fasting. He don't want that. We don't want to show ourselves the men as the fast. And we need to put on the face of God, so to speak. And we don't need to, 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 to have that clammy, gloomy looking attitude uh, to appear before men that we're sacrificing something for God. I believe it's very important, brothers and sisters, that Jesus laid down a basic principle of spiritual living. Nothing that is truly spiritual will violate what God has given to us in the nature. In other words, God will not tear down one thing to build something else up. And if we feel like we've got to put on this piety and this gloomy face to be spiritual, we need to stop and analyze what does spirituality literally look like because that certainly is not it. Remember, hypocrisy robs us of reality in Christian living. We substitute reputation for character. We substitute words for prayer. And we substitute money for real devotion to God. And that's what hypocrisy is all about. We understand that no wonder Jesus compared the Pharisees uh, to tombs that were whitewashed. And yet they looked good on the outside, but on the inside was smelling of rot and, 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 and all types of uh, filth on the inside of that tomb. Hypocrisy not only robs of character, it also robs of spiritual rewards. So therefore, if we're going around acting to the people like, look at me, I'm fasting, oh, woe is me, I'm real spiritual. You've just received your reward of men, but you've lost your reward with God. And I believe it's more important to please God than it is to please mankind. So again, we pray, but there's no answers. We give, but there doesn't seem to be any fruit to our giving. And we fast, but we don't see any inner improvement within our lives. Why is that? We miss the blessing of God here and now. And we will miss the blessing of God in eternity because we went after the praise of mankind. My point is, when we fast, let's do it as unto God. Now, I said it must be done in secret. Well, Pastor, we're doing a corporate fast. That's exactly right. We're doing a corporate fast, but uh, we as a church are doing it individually as a people. And therefore, uh, God, I believe, will honor that. Uh, the nation of Israel fasted corporately. On the Day of Atonement, they fasted corporately, but they did it as unto God and not show unto man. I remind you also that hypocrisy also robs us of spiritual uh, uh, influence. Now, with that being said, the Pharisees had a negative influence. And people thought as long as they followed the Pharisees and listened to the words of the Pharisees, that they would be blessed. But in reality, everything the Pharisees touched brought destruction and ruin. And the people that followed them was in the same suit as was them. Everything brought hurt. But the first step in recovering from hypocrisy is to be honest with God in your secret life. Just be honest with God in your secret life with Him. Understand this, if you will. We must never pray anything to God that we don't mean. We should never give anything to God that's not out of love. And I think that what we pray to God, we don't just pray it so people think we are holy, and we don't just pray it so people think we're to be impressive. We pray it because it comes from our heart, and we believe this is what's going to glorify God and build up the kingdom of God and destroy the works of the devil. So the things that we pray ought to be things that come from our heart that God will be pleased with. So we cultivate the heart in the secret place with prayer with worship, and with the Word of God. It's been said the most important part of a Christian's life is the part that only God sees. 
Brothers and sisters, when reputation becomes more important than character, we have become hypocritical. Let me say it again. When reputation uh, becomes more important than character, uh, we have become hypocritical. Let's look at God's chosen fast for a moment. In Isaiah chapter uh, 56, we read these words. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of the wicked, wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not the dead? Uh, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and thou to bring the poor that are cast out into the house? Uh, when thou seest the naked, thou that cover him, and thou hide, and not thyself from thy own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. By definition, fasting is simply a voluntary withdrawing from food and drink or other fleshly appetites for a specific period of time spending in the presence of God. If only thing you're doing is, is staying away from food and you're not praying or reading, you're just on a starvation diet. Are you with me? If all you think you're doing is withstanding yourself from food and from water or whatever, or Cokes or TV time, only thing you're doing, and it's, it's healthy, but there would be no spiritual significance, no spiritual value to it whatsoever. When Moses, if you look, first of all, we're going to talk a little bit tonight about three different basic types of fasting that I find from the Word. There is what we know as the normal fast, there is the partial fast, and there is the absolute fast. Let's look first of all at the normal fast, the fast that most Christians will go through, a fast that you see recorded many, many times uh, through characters within the Word of God. To my knowledge, the first mention of the word fasting in scriptures is located in Exodus chapter 34, verses 27 and 28. And he said, And the Lord said to Moses, Write thou these words, for after the, te uh, the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with, the, with thee and with Israel. And he was, with, he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did not eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now there's a law of first mention in the Word of God. When you see the law of first mention, that means it can be repeated again. Now understand this. We're talking here now about an absolute fast. Moses, the first fast mentioned in the Bible here, Moses had gone to the mountain. He went without food and he went without water for 40 days. Unless God ordains that, unless there's supernatural intervention, Moses would have died. He could have lasted 40 days without food. No way in the world he could have lasted 40 days without water. You can go on an absolute fast uh, without food and water maybe for three days at best. I would encourage that. That's an absolute fast. But Moses went to that mountain. Notice this. When Moses went to that mountain a 40-day fast, he heard the voice of God. But Jesus was led of the Spirit of God into the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days in absolute fast without food or water, and he heard the voice of Satan. When Moses went to the mountain, not only did he hear the voice of God, he received the Word of God. But when Jesus went to the wilderness in 40 days of prayer and fasting, he did not receive the Word of God. He used the Word of God against the enemy of our soul. What I'm saying, both Jesus and Moses, that had to be a supernatural enablement that God placed upon them to go 40 days. Now get this. In all probability, Moses went right back to the mountain after he, he came down and saw the idolatry and he broke the commandments and went back to the mountain. It's possible that Moses went 80 days 
Two 40-day fasts back to back without food and without water. That has got to be God supernaturally helping him to do that or he would have died. I remember a preacher one time, I heard him say that he went on a 40-day fast and he told his wife to get rid of every bit of the food in the house, canned goods, everything. And 38 days or so in that fast, he said, I got hungry, thought I was going to die. And he said, I went through all the cabinets and he said, I finally found a can of sauerkraut. And he said, I opened up that can of sauerkraut and I chuffed it down. He said, I thought I was going to die. I told my wife to pray for me. And she said, anybody that would eat a can of sauerkraut after fasting 38 days deserves to die. I'm not praying for you. Well, that's a true story as well. Now, Jesus began his earthly ministry by prayer and fasting. I want you to notice this. In my times of seeking the Lord through prayer and fasting with lengthy fasts, it, for me, it takes me about 13 days in a 21-day fast for me really to get myself in a position where I can really tune in to God. That's just me. When you first begin a fast, you feel hunger. It's not hunger. It's appetite. Your belly's going to growl. You're going to think of everything you like. You're going to see it. You're going to crave it. It's not hunger. It's appetite. It's going to take about 40 days for hunger to really set in. For some of us, maybe a little longer. During that time, I began to be, you're opening yourself up to the spiritual realm. That's why it's important that you stay in the word, that you stay in worship, and that you stay in prayer. Because you open yourselves up to the spiritual realm in prayer and fasting. I began to hear Satan talking to me. I thought, dear God, I'm seeking your face while I'm hearing his voice. And I thought, hey, same thing happened to Jesus. And that's where I began to understand this a whole lot better and apply this book a whole lot better to my life because just like Jesus, he heard the voice of the enemy, but he had to rebuke him with the word of God. Amen. And as a result, his life was being full of strength himself as that went on within his life. Now, Jesus began with prayer and fasting. Matthew tells us he was led of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and there he was tempted of the devil after 40 days of prayer and fasting. And Moses fasted for 40 days as well. Now, Jesus taught his disciples to fast. He said, moreover, when, not if, but when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. Notice what he said here. Though fasting is not commanded in the word of God, I believe it is suggested as a discipline that which Christians will do. Jesus did not say, if you pray, he said, when you pray. He did not say, if you gave your offering, but when you gave your offering. He did not say, if, uh, when you, if you fast, but when you fast. It was as if, though, it was a discipline that I believe the Lord understands that the church needs to be actively a part of in our life today, and we should take advantage of it in our Christian walk. But it's something a Christian should desire to do from time to time for various reasons. Now, pastor, it's so hard. You got that right. Fasting is hard. It was not meant to be easy. But it shows mastery over the appetites of the flesh. What was it that got man in trouble to begin with? Food. Somebody said it was an apple. I don't know if it's an apple on the tree, but I know the pear on the ground messed us up, and that's Adam and Eve. All right? But they craved the food. 
When you fast, it does a lot of, of, of physical benefits. It, it rids the body of toxics that build up in us, especially if we're on medications or anything like that. The toxics build up and it releases. Therefore, when you begin to fast, your body will give off an odor. I'm telling you, deodorant will not take care of it. So you need to bathe a little more often. It gives the toxics are leaving the body. But after about three or four days, your breath will be like a baby's breath. No smell to it whatsoever. It'll be like a baby's breath. Okay? So as you begin to pray and fast, you're going to feel what you think is hunger. It's not. The belly is, is simply rolling. I find out for a while, go brush my teeth. And that helps me for a little bit. I'm just being honest with you. That's a good way, to, to, I think, to look at it. But anyway, we're talking about a normal fast. A normal fast is... No food, but water. Now, there's a lot of people say, well, you can drink coffee and tea and juices and soda. For me, I don't think that's a normal fast because you're getting some nutrients from the juices and I think it's just hurting you in the long run. So to me, a normal fast is abstaining from all foods but drinking as much water as you want. Now, it can last for one day. A fast is indicated in the scriptures. The Bible said, Then all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came into the house of God and wept and sat there before the Lord and fasted that day, even unto, even offered burnt offerings and peace offerings for the Lord uh, in Judges 20, 26. Here the record says they fasted for one day. Perhaps that's a good place for some of us to start that's never fasted before. Let's just give the one day to God and say, Lord, help me. And we're going to make up our mind that we're going to, the time that we would eat, the time that we would drink our coffee, the times that we would spend in doing other things, we're going to take that time and devote it to the Lord in prayer, in worship, and in fasting. Okay, in worshiping of Him. Notice also, Paul, after he accepted the Lord on the road to Damascus, the Bible lets me know that he fasted for three days. Not only was Paul fasting for three days, he was also blind for three days. The Bible said that he was three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. So for three days, Paul went on an absolute fast for those particular three days. He could not see for three days after he'd been struck down to the ground by the Holy Spirit. Now, there's nothing to suggest that true fasting has to abstain from any type of sleep. There's some people think, well, if I'm going to fast, I've got to fast my sleeping time too. I don't see that from the scripture. There may be times that God may call, cause us uh, to stay up a few hours later, get up a few hours earlier. There may be times God may ask us to step all night to pray. I understand that. But I don't think fasting is coupled uh, with that at all. Paul speaks of watchings as distinct from fastings in 2 Corinthians 6, 5 and 11, 27. If, abstain, if abstaining from sleep was essential to fasting, no long fast would ever be possible simply because we'd go to sleep while we're fasting. And the purpose of the fasting is to spend time in the presence of God. Now notice something else, if you will. The body craves sleep more than anything else. We often act like the food's the number one thing that we need to survive, and it's not. The number one thing we need to survive is oxygen. The second thing we need to survive is sleep. The third thing we need to survive is water. And the fourth thing we need to survive on is food. But yet we act like that food is the number one thing that's going to keep us going. Because we love to eat, don't we? Can somebody say amen to that? Also, there's strong inference in 1 Corinthians 7 that the true fast for married people includes abstaining also for marital relations as long as there's common consent between both husband and wife. 
And that's simply to come apart from marital relations, to spend that time in prayer, spend that time in worship, spend that time in Bible reading, spend that time in the presence of God. And then they are to come back together in agreement lest the devil tempt and lead them down the wrong road. So the normal fast then includes abstaining from all forms of food but not from water. It must be distinguished from the other two fasts, the partial fast and the absolute fast. Now, the length of such a fast is totally up to you. Three days, one day, 21 days, or somewhere in the middle, or 40 days. That's up to you. We're only suggesting a 21-day fast here at the church. If you feel love God to fast the one day, three days, 21 days, or even beyond that to 40 days, that's between you and God because we're not going around asking, did you fast? Are you praying in fast? I'm not going to do that. I just pray that we'll all find out what it is that God would have us to do. Let's look briefly, if we can, at the partial fast. Now, if you battle with some type of medical conditions, it might be a good way to start uh, your fasting. People with diabetes, uh, hypoglycemia, or some other condition with heart medicines and all that type stuff, uh, it, it may preclude you from doing a normal fast and certainly from doing an absolute fast. So this might be a consideration for you to do what is known as a partial fast. In the partial fast, you only emit certain foods from your diet. Not everything, but just certain foods from your diet. Uh, for instance, the, to me, the three Hebrew boys in the book of Daniel chapter 1, that's exactly what they did. And at the close of their fasting, they looked stronger physically than those that ate from the king's table. And they went through a partial fast. These men resolved not to defile themselves with the king's food, rich food and the wine because, that they drank because those particular things would have been, first of all, offered to their idols and offered to their Babylonian gods. And the three Hebrew children said, we're not going to partake of that. Uh, so the people that were watching over the three Hebrew, three Hebrew boys, uh, they were said, okay, we'll let you eat what you want and we'll see what happens. And the Bible said after they went on that partial fast, not eating the rich food, not eating, drinking the, uh, the, 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 the big wine and so forth, at the end they were stronger and healthier than the other people that partook of the king's table. These men resolved not to devile themselves. So at the end of the time, they were better in appearance and fatter in the flesh than all the youth who ate the king's rich food. Now, whether this was a supernatural intervention from God that helped them, I simply do not know. But I know one thing. Their heart was in the right place, their motive was in the right place, and God honored it, and God used them. That, to me, is what's important. So once again, it's, it, it's, it's, it's listening to what God uh, asks of us to do, and he will honor that. Now, that being said, even Daniel, he also said, I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered into my mouth. The emphasis here is upon restriction of diet rather than on complete abstinence from all foods. He watched what he ate. Now, what good's that, Pastor? Just eating vegetables and not eating meat. Just eating fruit and not eating vegetables and not eating meat. What's the, what's the, what's the point? Understand something. When Daniel did that, God gave him visions. He didn't fast 40 days, absolute no water and absolutely no food. He went on the partial fast and God gave the man visions for the nation of Israel and what they would be going through. Notice, if you will, 
In the book of Daniel, we read how he received a revelation from God concerning the future of the people of Israel. It describes how he sought the Lord for understanding of the vision. It said, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks, the 21 days, ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh uh, nor wine to my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three weeks were fulfilled. Now, we're not told why Daniel went on a partial fast because he had done normal fasts before. Maybe the circumstances prevented him from doing a normal fast. Maybe circumstances prevented him uh, from doing an absolute fast. But God honored the fast that the man did for 21 days, what we refer to as a partial fast. He received a great victory over the powers of darkness as well as unfolding a vision given to him by an angelic messenger. Isn't that phenomenal? God honors the motive of the heart. Now, something likened to a partial fast can be seen in the life of the prophet by the name of Elijah. Remember at Cherit, the ravens brought him bread uh, and, and brought him uh, uh, two times a day, and he drank out of, the, out, of the, out of the brook that was there. So ravens fed him two times a day, morning and evening. And then when he went to the widow's house at Zarephath, he was sustained simply by meal and oil. That's all he had. And yet, to a degree, both instances was a partial fast. And then, look at John the Baptist, the counterpart of the New Testament to, uh, to Elijah. And the Bible said he ate nothing but locusts and wild honey. Partial fast. That was a, that was a particular diet that the Essenes, uh, the people who lived out in the, in the Dead Sea area, that's what they would eat. Now, the locust there, I don't think, was the bug. There's a carib tree that grows in that area, and there's some type of a, of a, of a not a berry, but a, 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 a seed thing on that thing that's very good to eat. Uh, we even saw them, we've been in Israel. Anybody saw them in Israel before? I've seen them in Israel. It's like a, a carib tree. Uh, I believe it's what the locust was that he ate. It's called a locust tree. Now, with that being said, <clears throat> we understand also that uh, John Wesley was known uh, for his times of going days on days and days without eating, only bread and water. They say that's what prisoners get in jail. He was a prisoner to the Lord, bread and water. And look what God did with that man. Do you understand that through his preaching, as a result of him praying, God salvaged the nation of England, the country of England? The great revival that came. I mean, the world was going to hell in a handbasket. There was corruption in government. Marriages were falling apart. Indecency like you never saw until you come to America today. In entertainment industries. And there was no passion in the pulpits whatsoever. But John Wesley gave himself to pray, prayer and fasting, eating nothing but bread and water, seeking the face of God. And God heard the prayers and God used him to turn things around. May God raise us up today. May God help us, first of all, to catch a burden, to have a burden that what breaks the heart of God will break our heart, that what moves God will move us, that what God hates will hate, what God loves will love, and what God died to save, Jesus died to save, we'll go after it. If it means spending time in prayer, let me ask you a question. Hey, let me make a comment, I should say. There's not a one of us in this room that doesn't have a loved one, I don't care who it is, if it's a prodigal in a far country, if it's a spouse that you argued with today, but you let an accident happen, we will move mountains 
to make sure they have the best of medical care and that we're there around them around the clock for their aid. Are we, am I right? When you and I stop to think about souls that are lost going to hell, and if we don't have a burden for that, I suggest we need some time in prayer and fasting that God can birth his burden in our heart so we can love the people. I'm not preaching to you. When you put one finger that way, there's three pointing back this way. You understand that, don't you? We need God to come and break us from our materialism and break us from all the things that's holding us back that the church can be the church that he died for and that we can have the power, the authority of what God wants done. I don't believe that the days of the church is over. I don't believe the best days are behind us. I believe as long as God's on the throne, he said in the last day, I'm going to have a church. In the last day, I'm going to pour out my spirit. In the last day, signs and wonders will accompany my ministry. And why not here and why not now and why not us? Let's give ourselves to prayer and fasting and see what God will do. Praise the Lord. Once again, this type of fasting can be a great value, especially when circumstances makes it impossible or inconvenient to undertake a normal fast. We're talking about the partial fast here. Again, it requires self-discipline. It's, uh, it's suitable basically for older people, this partial fast. You can still eat and take your medicine. Uh, you can still function and take your medicine and do those type things as well. Now, it can be used for a stepping stone. The partial fast can be used for a stepping stone to lead some of us into a normal fast. When we stop thinking, you know what? I've gone a few days with just vegetables and water or bread and water. I think, I think Lord, I'm ready now for you to thrust me a little deeper into that normal fast and let me just give my all to you for a few days. Let me share a couple of practical things with you, if I may. I broke a 21-day fast one time with a, with a foot-long hot dog. I wouldn't encourage that. I don't know why it is, but if I go overseas for a long period of time, I crave hot dogs. When I fast, the first thing I want is a hot dog. And I don't eat hot dogs that often. I may get one every three or four months. But when I fast, I want a hot dog. I don't know why. And I want a good one. But when you fast for a lengthy period of time, if any of you decide to go on a 21-day fast, let me just tell you, when you begin to eat again, your teeth will hurt when you begin to chew. When you begin to swallow, your throat will hurt a little bit because there hasn't been anything down in quite a while as far as food's concerned. So all these things are natural. Don't think, oh, God, I've done hurt myself. No, you haven't. This is just natural. You've given your digestive system a rest. You've given your jaw muscles a rest. You're depleting your body of all the toxics that are there. Let me tell you, water does have a taste, even in Polk County. When you're fasting, water does have a taste to it. You may not think it does now, but it does. So once again, fasting may be public as well as private, regular as well as occasional, and involuntarily as well as voluntary. Let's look now quickly, if we can, at the absolute fast. We have a few examples from the Bible uh, that uh, basically uh, what we call the absolute fast. Normally, this would never be more than three days. Because usually any time you abstain from food and water, food and liquids for more than three days, there's a possibility of damaging the body. But again, Moses, he went 40 days supernaturally. Jesus went 40 days supernaturally. Moses could have gone 80 days, as we mentioned just a moment ago. We read in the book of Ezra that Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Jonathan, the son of Elishim, 
And when he came thither, he did eat no bread nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgression of them uh, that had been corrupt, uh, carried away. Now this man was so burdened. I mean, he was so heartbroken with grief and shock of the shameful compromise of the people which the priest and the Levites and the officials of the city were the lead and taking him in that direction. And yet he was so burdened and so shameful what was going on. He said, and when I had heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and my beard and I sat down astonished. This burden... This shock, this shame drove him to fast and pray without any food and without any water whatsoever. Queen Esther instructed Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. Also in my maidens will fast likewise and so will I go into the king which is not according to the law and if I perish, I perish." Here a crisis was so impending. The Jewish nation was about to be exterminated. And even queen herself could not do a thing to stop it. So she summons, pray, fast, don't drink, don't eat. Pray for three solid days and fast unto God that he can turn this thing around. Let me tell you, when a nation, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways. Then, then, then will I hear him. What happens if we don't do these things? And this is what a queen uh, was doing here as well. She called an absolute fast because why? Desperate situations require desperate measures. Somebody has got to stand in the gap. Some church has got to stand in the gap. The body of Christ has got to stand in the gap. Do you know that Satan convention has taken place in April uh, in, in Boston, Massachusetts? A satanic convention once again. They're coming out of the woodwork, church, and we need not be idle. I remember years ago, there was a preacher on an airplane, and he sat down, and as always, he tries to talk to the people to his left or right, and they were trying to chat a little bit, and nice conversation. And back in those days, they served snacks. And the preacher took his Coke and peanuts, and the guy beside him said, no, thank you, I'm fasting this month. Which the preacher said, oh, I must be a Christian. What denomination do you belong to? He said, I'm not a Christian. I belong to the church of Satan. And we're praying and fasting this month for the destruction of pastors and their homes. Think about that. God help me and God help us and God help the church a living God today. Several men have done 40 day fast and would say it was absolutely life changing. They, they drank water, but they fasted food. We have examples of Bill Bride, Jerry Falwell, uh, James Dobson, you, you name it. There's a lot of people that spend their time praying and fasting for the sake of God. Now, when is, what is the purpose of fasting? Bottom line, it's a way to seek God by denying the physical in order to focus on the spiritual. We're simply denying the physical that we might focus upon the spiritual. And for that reason, prayer and fasting must always go together or it does not benefit us at all. Let me hasten. There's physical benefits to it, as I already mentioned in passing. Doctors will tell us there's sometimes doctors, medical doctors are not Christians and have clients who are not Christians. They will give their clients, their patients a time to fast because it rejuvenates the body. 
It rids the body of poisons. It rids the body of all of its toxics. Uh, it, it heals itself and so forth and so forth. We have a lot of processed foods we eat, a lot of medicines within our body, certain amount of poisons in our cells when we fast. Those things are flushed out of our system. That's why you stink when you fast, okay? I'm just being blunt with you. Is that all right? Now, if you want spiritual benefit, make sure you take time that when you would eat, that you transfer that to, transfer that to praying. The Bible says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. And even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Wow. He called a fast and people came out and God heard. The Bible tells us in the book of Esther, so we fasted and sought our God concerning this matter and he listened to our pleading. He listened to our pleading. Will he do any less for us if our motive is right? Nehemiah said, Now when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, Please, Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps the covenant and faithfulness of those who love and keep his commandments. Bottom line, focus on the spiritual and let go of the physical. Usually we fast and pray because we have special needs. That's what Isaiah 58 was all about. Desperate times leads to desperate measures. Fasting, there's about nine simple things. Let me just find them out real quick, okay? What I think nine simple things that we can look at tonight for the purpose of fasting. Fasting to get freedom from addictions, Isaiah 58, 6. Loose the bands. Loose the bands. Loose the bands. We're praying and fasting that God will loose the hold a satanic hold, whatever it may be upon the lives of individuals. Things that you can lay down yourself. I can't quit smoking. I can't quit drinking. I can't lay down pornography. I can't do this. Then show an earnest to God. I talked to somebody the other day and it's almost like it's the church's fault he's not walking in victory. You pray, you give counsel, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. If you're trying to give up smoking, God's not going to come take a cigarette pack out of your pocket. If you're trying to quit drinking, God's not going to bust the Jim Bean bottle on the sidewalk. If you're getting up pornography, trying to and struggling with it, God is not going to zap your internet. You with me? We've got to show some earnest in what we do. And I think fasting helps us to show God, I'm serious, I need your help. And I believe God will intervene. Also understand, God has ordained that when we get serious about walking in victory, he knows we're serious with him. I believe he works. Fasting to solve problems, again in verse 6. Undo the heavy burdens. You ever seen a child try to tie, well, not even a child. You ever seen me try to tie a knot sometimes? <laughs> Anybody have an extension cord? Who has a 100-foot extension cord? Don't you just love them? What happens to them most of the time? They're going to get tangled up. I've already made up my mind. If I ever go skydiving, I am taking an extension cord with me. Because if that parachute don't open, that cord's going to hang up on something in my world. And I want to be saved, okay? But uh, to, to, to be able to, to undo a heavy burden, it's almost like the same type thing. To where that it's, it's, it, it, he takes that tangled mess and makes it right. For instance, 
Your finances might be messed up. Your marriage is in shamble. You need a solution to your job. I have found in prayer and fasting, God can sometimes come in and undo those heavy burdens. This is the way you walk in it. Seeing miracles again and again and again. Fasting for revival and soul winning, verse 6. Let the oppressed go free. I challenge you. For the next 21 days, whether you fast or not, for the next 21 days, would you pray, oh God, give us souls. Oh God, may the prodigal come home. Oh God, may we see the oppressed go free. Fasting to conquer mental and emotional problems. In verse 6, break every yoke. I've never seen more people stressed out than I'm seeing today. The society, we're stressed. Are we not? Do you feel stress in your life? I think we all do. And we're under emotional strain all the time. Fasting to meet the physical needs of other people. Again, verse 7, deal or share to cut back. So that means sometimes that God may, during a time of fast, we don't think about this, but God may lay on my heart to bless somebody financially. God may lay on my heart uh, to do something for somebody uh, that would never been done before. God may use us in that capacity as well. A special blessing, if you will, uh, to somebody else. We also know that fasting to meet the physical needs of other people. We talked about that. Fasting for clear insight in decision making. He said in verse 8, let the light break forth. To me, this is different than problem solving. This is when you're seeking God's will in a major area of your life. You've come to a fork and road. What do you do? I'll never forget when I felt the Lord call me to the ministry at 20 years of age. I pulled up to a road and I said, God, do I go left or do I go right? I'm at that fork. And I thought, I'll never know which way to go until I get the wheels moving. And I coupled that with prayer and fasting. I came to this church as a result of a 21-day prayer and fasting. The last church I took was a result of 21 days of prayer and fasting. I went to Bible college as a result of prayer and fasting. I need to hear the clarion call of God. I do not want to do things and say, God, bless it. I want to do the things God has blessed. And if you and I will give ourselves to him with an open heart and open mind and say, show me, Lord, I believe that he will. Fasting for health reasons or healing. In verse 8, the health shall spring forth speedily. I believe that not only applies to us, but I think there needs to be people in our church and our families that need to be healed. I do not believe healing is over. I don't believe that God has lost his power. I don't believe Jesus has reneged on his word. I still believe the blood works. I still believe the, the, the stripes on his back work. But we've listened too long and believe what we have seen more than believe what we have heard. And I believe that faith sometimes has been shaken. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing the word of God. And that's why when we're fasting and praying, this word becomes more real. It becomes more alive because we've gotten rid of so much of the flesh and those type of things that God can speak to our hearts. We put people in the hands of God. Fasting for more righteous life and influential testimony. Verse 8, thy righteousness shall go before thee. Friends, it's so easy for Christians to grow cold. It's so easy in this world for us to become so lukewarm. We say, Lord, light the fire under me again. Lord, give me that same love for you that I had when I first met you at that altar. Make me like it was when I was first saved. Again, when we get serious and deny ourselves in the physical realm and give our heart to God in the spiritual realm, he's going to do something in our soul. Fasting for the glory of the Lord to protect us from the evil one. Verse 8, protection. 
we may have loved ones under the dominion of spiritual oppression. Notice what Jesus' disciples said. I bought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered, said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, departed on him, and the child was cured that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say, If you have faith a grain of mustard seed, you will say, This mountain removed from hence, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Howbeit this kind go out but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Please understand something. While the disciples were arguing as to why they couldn't do it, and while the man was complaining that his son cannot be set free, the devil was killing the boy. And while we have theological debates of why we can't see what's, what God's doing, and while we have theological debates of why it can't be done, the enemy is having, wreaking havoc upon this world. God put us in a position where we ourselves can be used of God to bring forth healing. Apply to this to our nation. Do you ever think we'd be in the threat of anthrax? attacks, biochemical attacks and COVID-19 like we are today, these are perilous times. And perilous times mean demon involvement in what's going on in this world. There's benefits to fasting. I'm going to have to close. There's so much more I want to say, but busy want to, let me just say, keep the right motive when it comes to prayer and fasting. My time has come and gone. I've got more to say, but we're maybe another day, but the benefits outweigh the disadvantages of fasting. I would just encourage you, right attitude, right motivation. Do it as unto the Lord. And the Lord who sees in secret will reward openly. While you're seated tonight, I want to ask you a question with his bowed and eyes closed. Again, we're not bargaining with God. But if we don't know where we're going, how will we know when we get there? And with that being said... I hope every one of us will respond to this. What is it that you hope to gain? What do you hope that God will do in you, through you, for you, or among you during this 21 day of prayer and fasting? What is the goal that you would like to see? What is there something that you laid upon your heart you'd like to see God do? 